this is a very confusing day. By the way, I think you might want to sit on your pews now. <laughs> it's a confusing day because we do two very different things. First, we celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem in triumph. And then we perform together the agonizing final days of his life. One minute we wave palms and cry out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And the next, we join the crowds who shout, Crucify him, crucify him. What is happening? Are we celebrating today or are we mourning? Are we one with the disciples who thrill to Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem? Or are we part of the crowd who condemn him. Mysteriously, I'm afraid, both. Each of us embodies the whole story, the hope and the betrayal, the joy and the despair. Like Jesus' disciples, we love him with all our heart and we run away. And today, we are called to, to hold it all, to face it all, to um, acknowledge these mysterious contradictions so hard from us when there's nothing we humans love more than certainty. And today we're called to acknowledge how much we need God's help in all of this. In the midst of all this suffering, how to uncover in ourselves our truest selves, that universal spirit, that divine light burning in each of us. A light so very battered by life on earth. Today we see this, this amazing showdown underway between the forces of love and hope and promise and and, and the forces of hate and power and oppression, the, those forces of we've always done it this way, status quo, cruelty of the world. Today we find ourselves right in the middle of it. Imagine the scene, a young colt waiting, the disciples sent to fetch it, the owner, amazingly, willing to let it go, and, and we feel ready, too. We feel expectant, waving those palms. This is it. The power of love is on the move. Jesus launching his procession, heading down from the Mount of Olives right into Jerusalem, accompanied by his scruffy band of peasant disciples, shouting blessings. And meanwhile, from the West, imagine Pontius Pilate and his vast entourage marching into Jerusalem too with cavalry and horses and warriors and weapons and banners, all the, all the trappings of power, the power of Rome, the power of love and the power of oppression heading straight for one another, guaranteed to clash and, and we know this feeling because we're, we're right in the middle of those two ourselves in our lives now in the war in Europe. 
in the ongoing pandemic, in our own personal suffering, we live this feeling. And Jesus, in classic Jesus form, must love the remarkable street theater quality of his procession, riding on a donkey with, with cloaks for a saddle and cloaks on, on the ground like some sort of ancient red carpet. What better way to satirize the pomp and the tyranny of the Roman government than to stage your own infinitely humble parade, turning upside down the whole notion of what victory looks like, what victory and triumph really mean. And what's more, Jesus is also enacting a scene straight out of Scripture from Zechariah's prophecy, which tells of the coming of Zion's king. We hear this in the words, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Hear that? Your king comes to you. Onlookers would have understood this message. It's happening. And adding to the air of triumph along Jesus' parade path, we hear his disciples crying out. We hear the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This moment echoing the angels announcing to the shepherds the birth of Jesus. Remember when we hear suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. So with these two bursts of praise we've come full circle from the beginning Jesus's birth to the end as we journey into Holy Week. Another beginning. And yet, as we begin this journey, we are already exhausted, weighed down by what the powers of the world do, the violence, the needless suffering, and we start this journey incredibly hopeful, too. We're always hopeful. We need this new thing. It's a mysterious mix that we feel. This Holy Week, we remember how Jesus came into all the joy and all the turmoil that is life on earth to be with us, to love us, and to help us find our wayward, buried, broken hearts. And I want to share with you a brief poem by the Welsh poet R.S. Thomas. He was a poet and a priest. <laughs> and God held in God's hand a small globe. Look, 
the sun looked. Far off, as through water, he saw a scorched land of fierce color. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent, a river, uncoiled itself. Radiant slime. And on a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. The sun watched. Let me go there, he said. Along that parade route, the Pharisees leaned in to Jesus and warned him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. They knew that Jesus and his followers were on a one-way collision course with the powers that be, and surely they'd be killed. And Jesus said to them, I tell you, if these disciples were silent, the stones would shout out. I bet they would, wouldn't they? Even the stones would shout out. This Palm Sunday, this beginning of Holy Week, this beginning of something new, it's so important. It's world-changing. So even the stones would shout out. Amen.